OSL is the leading distributor of radiotherapy patient positioning equipment and physics QA products for the UK and Ireland, supplying both the NHS and private sectors. We currently have a busy event schedule and will be attending many conferences in the next few months and many of the regional study days. For a full list of where to meet us, please do get in touch. As well as our event schedule, we also have a busy product portfolio that has recently been updated to. This includes Sky Factory for state-of-the-art visual LED lighting. We have MyQA Ion and Ion RT from IBA for automated patient-specific QA for photon, electron and proton radiotherapy. And we also have MR Box from our AI suppliers at Therapanacea, allowing AI-powered MR-only workflows for a more consistent and high-quality planning pathway. For SGRT, we have a vast range of open-faced thermoplastic masks, as well as surface-guided compatible clear bolus from ClearSight, preventing any risk of interference between the skin surface and your SGRT solution. And as always, do not hesitate to get in touch to discuss your product and service requirements with our friendly and knowledgeable team. Our account and clinical specialists are from a radiotherapy and physics background, and we are more than happy to chat about the clinical benefits and the workflow of all of our products. Hi everyone and welcome to Rad Chat, the multi-award winning therapeutic radiography-led oncology podcast. So my name is Joe McNamara and I'm joined by fellow host Norman Joel Anderson. Hi everyone. Now I'm so giddy and excited because I've had the absolute pleasure of working with Sarah Jane in my role as a senior lecturer at Sheffield Hallam University and Norman and I have also had you on Insta Live with us mm-hmm. doing an interview yeah. before. So Sarah Jane, would you like to introduce yourself? Um, yeah, I'm Sarah Jane and I'm, um, <laughs> it's always the hardest question, isn't it? Yeah, um, you are. So how, I'm do, here. how do I okay, know you? You know Sarah me Jane. because I have cancer, basically. I have ovarian cancer and I had womb cancer and three years ago I had surgery to treat that and chemotherapy and yeah after that I was left with some problems with sexual intimacy and my mental health and there were some issues around um, medical weight stigma leading up to my diagnosis and during my treatment so basically I, I talk about that now and hopefully it, you know opens the conversation up for other people other people feel empowered by it some of the people on Instagram have been saying to me, you know, you've made me go and check and think more about my health and, you know, so yeah, that's kind of what I want really is just that somebody, well, others can learn from, the, the professionals can learn from my experience and other people can feel empowered by it and, and you know, advocate for themselves, which is the most important thing. I think it's fair to say you're pretty inspirational. Um, when you share your story, it's one that actually, as a healthcare professional, you wince at. Mm. Um, you know, I've been really open with you about the fact that yeah. it's made me ashamed of some of the things that have happened to you um, along your diagnosis and treatment pathway. Um, but I think there's so much to learn from it, and it's sad that we have to learn. Yeah. But as you've said, you sharing your experience is really powerful in being able to elicit change. It gives me hope, which is, you know, why I love you too, what you're doing. It just, you know, you're advocating, you're advocating for everybody to speak up for themselves and for the students, the, you know, the therapeutic uh, radiography students. It's just, it's really, you know, I love it. It's, 
yeah. <laughs> it's my favourite. I think. I'm going to ask you a question, which obviously we know the answer to, but why is it important to be inclusive in healthcare? Uh, it's important because. Um, because you know we're all equal and when you're excluded from the conversation and you know um, and even in the setting the hospital setting you don't see posters that are inclusive with couples same-sex couples or um, it's, it's all just based around you know um, just the heteronormative, <laughs> heteronormative yeah. yeah. Um, I kind of understand that because it's kind of what I think healthcare professionals are taught. I don't think they're taught anything different than that. Until we um, have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's really important because you feel invisible. I know I felt invisible. Um, um, conversations, you know, uh, being referred to as a missus was a big thing for me. I had that because people assumed that I was a missus and not a miss and that I had a husband and then that whole conversation people then think that I've got support that I've got a male partner and I was on my own and dealing with it on my own and it just doesn't seem to um, they just I think they look at me and think I'm a certain age and that I should be married and and all of that and it's just yeah it, it's not how it is and not everybody's the same and we are all different and yeah it's we you have to be inclusive because especially with cancer i think because you need to make sure that you feel heard by your teams you know i will have a relationship with my team for the rest of my life and i need to know that they hear me and that they see me and when they talk and it's just so it's just based on you know it's it's just heteronormative and um, yeah, you just feel excluded from the conversation. So Sarah Jane, I know you're going to share your experience mm. tomorrow as part of your talk, but I think it would really help listeners to maybe have some insight into what you went through, if you're happy to kind of reshare that. Um, so obviously being diagnosed was particularly difficult for you. Why do you think that was? because whenever I went to the doctors, all everybody saw was how much I weighed. Um, and so that was used as, uh, basically as an excuse for every symptom that I had. And I had every symptom of ovarian cancer and, and womb cancer as well. And I was just sent away for over two years or maybe even longer. I think I had, there was some health problems that I had even before then that if they'd been looked into, they would have picked up um, I had lymphedema in one, just one side on my right, in my right leg once, about three years before diagnosis. And if that had been followed on, followed up, you know, as to why I, I was struggling, I didn't have lymphat good lymphatic drainage, and it was just on the one side, then maybe they would have picked up my tumour at that point. But because I, they just see my weight, that's all that they put everything down to. Sorry? Reflecting back on your experience, obviously, through the cancer pathway, etc., mm. how have you kind of coped or dealt with your emotions before? How have I coped? Not very well. <laughs> I didn't cope very well for the first two years, and I had therapy, and 
you know, I got to a really low point where I actually contemplated taking my own life, um, which was scary. You know, I had a pre-existing mental health problem before my cancer diagnosis, and having the cancer diagnosis and going through treatment sort of, you know, triggered that back again. So it became a complex complex PTSD which required a lot of treatment and eventually I ended up having EMDR which is a type of a therapy uh, for trauma and you know I've not looked back ever since then to be honest I've not taken antidepressants I was a bit reluctant to because I'd had a previous history of taking them and it didn't work for me um, so now it was just literally the EMDR and and now it's about being mindful, creative, talking, enjoying life, I think, yeah. How is it living with cancer? Because obviously there's lots more media now around not just diagnosis and treatment, but also about kind of living with a long-term health condition. How, how do you find that you live your life now? Um, each day at a time. Um, Again, since therapy, it's a lot better. I used to wake up and think, is today the day I'm going to die? And that sounds drastic, but after treatment and surgery and everything I'd heard and the trauma, that's how I felt. You know, every day I'd wake up and think, is this the day? Uh, but now it's, yeah, it's really different. I do, I wake up and I feel, I judge how I feel like when I wake up, so. Um, if I, you know, if I'm not feeling great, then I'll, I'll stay in bed. If I feel okay, I'll get up, I'll go for a walk. Um, I manage my pain as best as possible. I am on quite a few tablets at the moment, but um, it's just, you know, it's just like, I like to say sometimes it's a bit of a juggling act because it, it really is. Whether it's sickness or whether it's pain or, you know, yeah. Acid reflux. <laughs> the list is. Oh, the other day it was like ten days without going to the loo, so it's like not oh, good. So gosh, yeah, yeah, I've got a, a bowel blockage at the well, not at the moment, but I've got a narrowing in the colon from surgery, and they think it's adhesions and things like that. So yeah. So there's um, a lot, lot to contend with. Yeah, I had major surgery, so I've kind of got to. I don't think you can have that sort of surgery without there being any consequences. So, how do you find reliving your story over and over again? <laughs> um, as, it's we've hard. Just, as we've asked you to relive your story, it's there's a lot. You know, it feels like there's a lot, um, and it feels like there's a lot to say, and so. Um, I'm like I waffle sometimes <laughs> so tomorrow with my talk I've got um, prompts so that I don't waffle and I can get a few things in the conversation without it being just on one topic so I don't think I've ever heard you waffle oh so I do again. I do I do no. <laughs> everything you say is so insightful mm. and I hang off your every word um, so I don't I would never class it as a waffle I promise yeah, you I so we are renowned on Radchat, as I know you are acutely aware of talking about sex intimacy, nothing is off the table, um, and I know it's something that you're hugely passionate about and obviously did a beautiful project with Macmillan around sex and intimacy. Um, why should every healthcare professional at UKIO 
talk to their patients or talk to their loved ones or you know talk openly about sex and intimacy it's an important part of who we are um, you know feeling pleasure feeling intimacy feeling close to somebody or even with yourself you know it's and it's an important part of who we are. For me, it definitely was, you know, before surgery and before the problems I've had, you know, being intimate with myself, you know, it was a, a part of my daily routine. <laughs> I don't want to say daily routine, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it helps, you know, it helps you to go to sleep, it helps to start the day, you know, it's Best good. Way to start it is good for, you know, anti- you know, for depression, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a massive subject and something that we don't talk enough about, yeah. you know, even with our partners, uh, we don't talk enough about it. So I did laugh earlier because I was uh, I was talking to a colleague about the fact that it's only with you that I can stand outside of the pod box in UKIO <laughs> and talk about masturbation. <laughs> Ama- amazing way to start a conference. <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> Welcome to Roger. But yeah, it, it maybe is very difficult for some people to talk about, and I totally understand that. But I think the premise that we're trying to get across is that for some patients, no one may have spoken to them about any sexual to me, you know, and I find that that's the hardest thing I find out of all of it really is that they operated on me, they removed parts of my body that are related to pleasure and intimacy and they didn't even talk to me about how that would be impacted, you know, yeah. and, and for me, and I've said to you before, I feel like it sort of removes a layer of trust between my, me and my team and my relationship with my team, you know, it's almost like they lied to me or withheld something that is really really important to me Um, so yeah I think we need to be having conversations and you know maybe ask the patient if they're comfortable with it if it's something they want to know about I would have said yes there's a lot of people out there that would have said yes and and like you say there's some out there that would have said no yeah you know it's not for everybody but for me it really is definitely an important conversation to be had you're speaking here at UKIO tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, how can people follow you on social media and find out more? Um, Game of Northern <laughs> <laughs> We had a discussion, didn't we? When you, when you became famous became on famous. social media, yeah. you were like, shall I change my handle? I'm so glad you haven't. No, I love Game of Northern It's just me. I'm a gamer. I'm a Northerner. <laughs> it's just who we I am. We love it. You know. No, no, I'm not 77. I was born in 77. Yeah. I look it, feel it sometimes. Well, we would definitely like to advertise the fact that at 4.45 yeah. on Tuesday at UKIO in 3A, you're giving your experience. And I would strongly uh-huh. encourage everyone to check it out. We also had the pleasure of having Sarah Jane on the podcast via Instagram and Instagram Live, so we will yeah. definitely share that on mm-hmm. our stories again and make that uh, easily accessible for everyone. But thank you so much for joining us. Thank it's always a me. pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for having me, and what you're doing is amazing. Oh, I love it. Thank you. <laughs>